Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. We're living on purpose today and promoting pathological positivity in different ways. I have a returning guest with me today. This is a friend of mine that I got to know years ago as I learned of an adventure that he and his family had in going across the seas to a far distant land and bringing home some beautiful little kids. And there's more to the story than that, right, John? There is. It's evolved. (laughs) This man's name is John Simmons. He is the author of The Marvelous Journey Home, and more recently... To Sing Frogs. To Sing Frogs? To Sing Frogs. That's a little weird. It's really weird. But some things don't make sense, and they're not supposed to. (laughs) So that's kind of the point. (laughs) Well, it catches people's attention. (laughs) In the first book, The Marvelous Journey Home, you talked about um, the process of adopting some some little kids from Russia. Right, and and The Marvelous Journey Home was uh, written during the honeymoon period of our first adoptions. Mm -hmm. And it really made a point of trying to show the adoption from the child's point of view. Uh, We have five-year-old Sarah. And it really made a point of doing that. But again, it was written during a honeymoon period. Um, it left out a lot of the stuff that was a little bit more difficult, mm. um, a little bit more realistic. And with the Sing Frogs, uh, it it went on significantly longer in time than the Marvelous Journey Home did. And got into more aspects of this that are, are less like a fairy tale and more like reality TV. Yeah, a lot more things that require a, a therapist or a psychologist. Hmm. Well, there are reasons we got acquainted in the first place, John. <laughs> of course there are. <laughs> Without right. divulging too much, it's a challenge. And, you know, for us, it's, it's not a matter of divulging too much. Uh, mm-hmm. We've decided that we're going to share this story. The kids are on board. Amy's on board. And, you know, admitting that there's some mental illness in our family or some things mm-hmm. that we need help with, we aren't any mm-hmm. more embarrassed about that than catching the flu. Right. Because it's part of the package. It is. Have you noticed this also? Now, um, before I go there, though, I want to acknowledge to our listeners that you are not only an author and an adoptive father, you are also a businessman, you have been involved in community uh, outreach kinds of things at home and internationally. Oh, I'm a, I'm a legend in my own mind. You are a legend in your own mind and the king of your own world. <laughs> so welcome. <laughs> but you've also become somewhat of an expert or really an advocate for adoption and the ways that uh, children's, orphans' lives can be changed yeah. uh, through intervention by, by people who care. Um, and you know what? I'm, I'm an advocate for children who don't have active parents. I get so tired of, right. of arguing over what an orphan is. What, Does an right. orphan have one parent, or has it lost two parents? Or 
uh, or do are they both have parents still alive? Are they social parents? orphans? And yeah. you know what? Kids need forever families, and they need homes, and they need active parents. And that's what I advocate for. And they show up in this world without a lot of say about where they land. Yeah. <laughs> have you yeah. noticed that? Right. It's, it's, uh, children are in a dependent state. Uh, experience very little control over their environment or their circumstances. That changes, obviously, as they get a little bit older. They start to have a little more of of say in the matter. But for the most part, are uh, at at the dependent mercy of the big people. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I, I like to say, and I think I said it in the book someplace, that these are these are little people who for a very for- short time need mm-hmm. big people as much as big people need them. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we forget how much we need them. Yeah, because they teach us things. Yeah, they really do. And they change us in important ways. And they're so honest. Yeah, you right? <laughs> they'll, they'll teach you a lot of things about yourself. Right, exactly. And that's, that's one of the things that before the show, John, we were chatting about. What have you learned from all of these experiences and adventures that you've had? And, and one of those things, that there seems to be a universal understanding that we have a responsibility to care for these children. Yeah, um, we have a, a family charity that's functioning right now in the Republic of Georgia. Uh, Georgia sits right between the Black and Caspian Seas and in between Russia and Turkey, um, which is oh, not a not, good place to sit historically. You're not talking about that southern state. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, okay. I'm talking about a lot more precarious place to be. Uh, wonderful mm-hmm. people there, very hospitable, uh, incredible people. But we have an organization over there that works with helping kids transition from an orphanage life into the real world. Mm. And uh, as I was over there, I actually met with the leader of the Georgian Orthodox Church, uh, an incredible man. You brought a picture to show me here today. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I talked with him, uh, well, actually, our our program over there utilizes a a school that's owned by the Jewish community Mm -hmm. in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And uh, the rabbi who's over all of the, the Jews in Georgia allowed us to use that school and all of its resources for an after school program for these kids at. Absolutely no oh, charge. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah. And so we also had a meeting with a leader of the Georgian Orthodox Church. And as we sat and talked with this really old, feeble, but incredible man, uh, one of the people who was working with me said, you know, it amazes me that we have this um, American businessman, we have this Jew from Israel, mm-hmm. and we have the leader of the Georgian Orthodox Church. It, it sounds like a joke. We walk into a bar, right? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, she says, it amazes me that we have the three of you from such different backgrounds yeah. working together to help these kids. And this incredible man in a very soft and, and weak voice looked up very slowly and he said, yes, but that's what all of us know we should do. All of us know yeah. that we should help children. And that stuck with me. I thought, it doesn't matter if we have no religion, if mm-hmm. we're agnostic, if we're atheist. It doesn't matter if we're Mormon or Catholic or Muslim or Buddhist. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter. As human beings, we know we're supposed to help children. Yeah. And it drives me crazy when we talk about so many things that are so divisive, whether it's politics or religion or education mm. or I, I could go on all day. But there's something right. that we can't argue about whether or not we're supposed to help children. Mm-hmm. Right. So as we use that universal understanding, there's a lot of ways to do that. And it, 
it doesn't always happen the way that you think it will. Oh, boy. <laughs> what have you learned about that, John? Oh, wow. So um, we had a real opportunity when we were in Russia to get to know Sarah's friends. Right. Uh, now, Sarah is your daughter. She is. She was five when we adopted her, and now she and just she's turned 14. the subject of this first book. Marvelous yeah, journey I, home. I, in fact, uh, she plays a huge part in the second one as well, into seeing frogs. I'm sure. And mm-hmm. uh, so, typically, Russia doesn't let you get in and spend time with kids. Well, anymore, they don't allow adoptions at all. But when they were allowing mm. adoptions, um, they didn't let you get in and meet the other kids. You were there to bond with a child that you were hoping to adopt and work things out and move forward. Right. But you didn't get around the other kids. Um, with Sarah's group, it was a little bit different because she was away at a winter camp, which was basically just a change of scenery. It was mm. another dormitory in another building in a different city. That, oh. Then they kind of went off and did some arts and crafts and kind of got away. But um, it, yeah. it was a lot the setting of the orphanage. But where, we, where she was there when we went for our first visit, they didn't have the structure set up, and they weren't used to dealing with adopting parents visiting during that time. Mm-hmm. So when we mm-hmm. showed up, they just let us go play with the kids. All the other kids. Right. And so there were a couple of dozen kids there that I became very, very close friends with, and that just doesn't happen in Russia. Wow. Well, and even before it didn't happen in Russia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I looked at these little kids, and they they wanted to be cosmonauts, and they wanted to be ballerinas, and they wanted to be policemen. And uh, Mm -hmm. nobody said, you know what? Um, Gosh, uh, one in ten of us are going to commit suicide the first year out of the orphanage, and I'm going to be that guy. Nobody said that. No, nobody that's said, not what they aspired to. And nobody said two-thirds of the girls become prostitutes, and so, you know what? Hey, there's my life choice. Wow. They didn't say that. They didn't say three-fourths of the boys become criminals right off, and uh, so that's going to be me. And by the way, life expectancy is 31, so, you know. The outlook was not down. very rosy for these kids. No, and I knew that, but they didn't. And I was just their buddy. <laughs> And you know what, John? I think I've gotten to know you well enough to know how that must have pulled at your heartstrings. You know, uh, I'm just a—I'm really a different guy. Mm. I'm a—I'm a businessman. I built an international business, and I can fire somebody and go home and sleep just fine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, if I've got to make cutbacks because it's the right choice for the business, I can do it. Yeah, it's a business decision. It is. But boy, you take that kid. And you put him in front of me and let me play with him for an hour. And then you show me his chances in life. And I can't walk away and say I'm not going to do anything about it. Right. It's hard to sleep. It is. Which has really driven your life. It has. As an adult. It has. I I spend all of my time doing that now. mm -hmm. Um, Last May... I resigned from my position as the CEO of the family business that I'd started. Mm-hmm. We hired somebody else to run that position. Uh, my brothers still work in the business. Uh, the family still owns all of the stock. My brothers told me, look, continue to pull your paycheck out of here. But, but go do your thing. Yeah, go do your thing. We're behind it. Mm-hmm. That'll be our contribution. We'll run the business. You go talk about these kids who need So you, you formed a relationship with these kids that, that were not your own, or probably weren't to become your own necessarily, but you felt a responsibility to help them specifically. You know what? And then what happened? Uh, yeah. You, well, you, you walk in and you get to know these kids. You fall in love with these kids. You, you hug the one. You hug all of them. But you pick up a couple of them and you take them with you. And then you cry for the rest of your life. 
mm-hmm. for the ones that you left behind. Mm-hmm. And you never forget them. Uh, Sarah recently yeah. uh, was talking to me, and uh, she said, well, I mentioned Dasha, one of her friends at the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, where do you think Dasha is? I said, she's still at the orphanage for about one more year, maybe two. And she said, mm-hmm. well, didn't she get adopted? And I said, no, we've seen pictures of the uh, of the orphanage that you came from, and, and she still shows she's up still in there. those pictures. She's still there. Wow. A- and it just floored Sarah. She couldn't believe it. Because her whole life changed. Yeah. And uh, Sarah, in, in To Sing Frogs, we go through, and she actually finds her two best friends from the orphanage who were adopted. One was adopted in Russia. Mm-hmm. One was adopted in Spain. And she actually found them, and we had a reunion a few years ago. And that's kind of where yeah. To Sing Frogs goes. And so mm-hmm. Sarah just kind of thought everybody got out of the orphanage, and everybody, you know, they had their their good days and their bad days and uh, some struggles. But, but hey, everybody, everybody's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And she looks at that and looks at the ones who are still there and says, they're not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And she's right. Yeah. Well... We know what the statistics are. We know what the track record is. There's not a lot of kids who, who break that trend without some kind of assistance, without right. some kind of a rescue. Right. So, you know, that's kind of where we were. We wanted to go back and help those kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came back after the adoptions. I talked with my brothers, uh, who are also my business partners, and they completely agreed and we started working on building the business so that there would be enough money to do something. And I, I was kind of on a countdown uh, mm. with the age of these kids. You know, I'm watching my daughter yeah. get older. I'm watching these kids get older. It only goes one direction, doesn't it? Boy, we all get older, don't we? Mm. Gravity <laughs> always wins. Welcome to Earth. Yeah. So as we were working on going forward and building this, and I'm watching my daughter get older, and I'm saying... We have to get this started. Uh, we've got to get to Russia, and we've got to get a program going, or we're going to lose these and kids. We can't wait very long. Right. We're going to pick it up right there when we come back. Hang on, folks. Thank you for listening to Live on Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about MoreBetterBooks.com. MoreBetterBooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life 
forever. It's certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hit messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. To be what we are and to become what we are capable of becoming is the only end of life. Robert Louis Stevenson These kids that you got so attached to who were friends of, and really, in a way, siblings to your own kids that you adopted. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always work out that you can help them. No. Specifically. Right. Uh, I went back to Russia, and uh, we were going to set up a program to work with these kids. It took a long time to get going, uh, but I was kind of on a countdown before they were going to age out of the orphanage. And to make a long story short, uh, President Putin shut things down for U.S. charities in Russia. And it was just over. Just, just shut it down. Just like that. Wow. I mean, we'd we'd been putting things together, and just one day it was just over, and it was done. And the people I was working with came back to me, and one of them said, "I grew up in the Republic of Georgia. Is this just about helping your friends, or your daughter's friends, or is it about helping any kids?" Now, for those of us who are geographically challenged, <laughs> you know, in the olden days, it was just Russia. Right. Or the Soviet Union, and those were right. interchangeable terms. But that is not true. No. Um, the whole eastern part of Russia broke off. You know, California is going to fall into the ocean. Yeah. And that's kind of ha- what happened in Russia. Most of their eastern providences uh, and, and southeastern kind of fell off as the Soviet Union collapsed. In Georgia, yeah. you had a bunch of the stands. You had Moldova. You had... Um, Georgia and just all of those in that whole region kind of broke off, and now and then they were kind of sent to fend for themselves, and and that was tough right. for them. It was really tough, which is a a blessing and a curse. But the short version of the story is Russia and Georgia, two very different stories. They are. Uh, in fact, they went to war a couple of years ago over well, several years ago over some disputed territories, and uh, mm-hmm. it didn't work out well for Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. So this this person you were working with had ties to Georgia. Right. And so she'd grown up in Georgia, which was just one of the states right. in the Soviet Union. And so now it's its own country. And uh, so she said, can we set up this program in the Republic of Georgia? And, you know, that was hard for me. Um, I'd fallen in love with these little kids, and I really wanted to help my friends. The ones in Russia. Right. And when I couldn't, I thought, you know what? Somebody else loves these other kids as much as I love those ones. And I've got to do something. We've got to help Mm. some kids. And so even if I don't get to help the ones I want to help, I want to help other ones. And, you know, that's uh, that's kind of uh, different. Mm. Uh, As you get Mm. in and you you Mm. work with these other people and serve people that you hadn't intended to serve, 
you end up loving them every bit as much as the other ones. It doesn't mean that the other ones go away or that you forget about them or that you don't have nightmares no. because I still do. Yeah. But you fall in love every bit as much with the ones that you're able to help. And that really taught me a, an important lesson that you've got to yeah. do something. Uh, you know, I, I watch people say, well, gosh, if my parents were still alive, I would help them. And I see so-and-so, and she doesn't help her mom and dad, or he doesn't take a day and do anything with his dad. But I would do that, and I would appreciate it if my parents were still alive. Well, they've got the time. They've got the desire to help somebody. So they can't help mom or dad. Go help somebody. Yeah, we got a retirement home just down the street from, from our house, and those people get so lonely. They do. You're saying... If you can't serve your mom and dad, walk down the street to the retirement home and read something to them. Right. And by the time you get down there, you'll be in love with the people you're serving. Right. Because they're good people just like your mom and dad are. And you know what? Or these kids in Russia. Even before you get involved, there's somebody who loves them every bit as much as you love the ones that you can't serve. Yep. Everybody is somebody's son and somebody's daughter. Right. Yeah. That is an excellent point, John. And you know what? I love what you said about in the act of serving them, you develop the love. And it doesn't take long. So don't worry about whether you love them already. Just serve them. Yeah. Get out and do something. You can't do everything, so do something. Mm-hmm. That is an excellent point. There's plenty, isn't there? There is. An abundance of opportunity. <laughs> do you think That's we'll ever think we're not out? lacking. <laughs> right. Right. And as you as you pointed out earlier, this is a this is really a human family kind of an issue. It's not that there are kids in Russia and they are a special case and need help because of that. They're just representative of people, even in our own communities. Yeah, you who know need what? that touch. My brother and sister in law adopted a sibling group of of four kids. Oh wow! Right here, out of Utah. Mm-hmm. Right here, out of our system whose parents weren't taking care of them. This isn't, this isn't a Russia problem. It isn't a China problem. It isn't an Africa problem. It isn't a big city blight problem. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a human problem. It's happening everywhere. You know, I, I heard a really fun quote recently. Somebody asked a lady, so we have all these kids in the United States who need to be adopted. Why did you go to Russia to adopt? And she said, because that's where my kids were. Uh-huh. And that really hit me. So wherever you're drawn to do something, go there and do it. If that's in your own neighborhood, if that's where your resources limit you to, or if that's where your heart is, fix your neighborhood. If that's in Africa, well, then get on the boat. It's, you know what, that, that is profound. There is some reason why this is showing up for you. Right. And you know what, John? Little kids in Russia didn't show up for me. No. So go fix something in your neighborhood. But people knock on my door every day. Right. And I live and, and, and circle in places where I can immediately help. Everybody does. You know, it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of resources. You know, we, we don't, we don't realize that if everybody would just do a little bit how much it is. You know, I have 114,000 followers on my Facebook page. Wow. And wow. just for fun, one day I pulled out a calculator, and I'm looking at this program that we have trying to help kids age out of 
um, orphanages and move on with yeah, life. Yeah, the transition. Yeah, and you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to turn this into a commercial. I'm not even going to tell you the name of my charity. You'll figure it out if you want to. But if it speaks to you. Sure. Yeah. But but if I if my 114,000 Facebook followers decided to donate $1 a month to this cause, mm-hmm. it's, th- it's over $3.5 million a year. A buck a month. Wow. Which and, is like... Three cents a day? Yeah, just over three cents a day. and it's, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm thinking, well. <laughs> and so that's what it is. And so all these people are sitting around saying, you know what? I only have a few minutes that I can do something good. Well, if there's 114,000 people that have a few minutes to do something. That's a lot of minutes. It's a lot of minutes. If there's 114,000 people out there who go, well, I'm on a really tight budget. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have very much money at all left at the end of the month. But if they were to if they were to give up three cents a day, what you can't buy anything for three cents a day, twenty one cents a week. <laughs> I, I I don't know what you're going to buy for that. Yeah, what are you but, sacrificing? But, but one hundred fourteen thousand right? people over a year that turns into three and a half million dollars, and and I just use that to illustrate how little you have to do to make a difference. Mm-hmm. When there's a whole bunch of us. You know, um, I look at the progress of one of my daughters who's really struggled uh, coming out of Russia. And I, just the horror that that child lived. And she's 22 now. Uh, she lives in a group home. We're still really involved with her. But, boy, she's really, really struggled. And as I watch her advance, I watch her go three steps forward and two steps back. And I just want to pull out my hair. Mm-hmm. But I look back over seven years and three steps forward two steps back is progress. Mm-hmm. It is. And I sit right yeah, here, and I effect. look at the Rocky Mountains, and I say, mm-hmm. they're not growing very fast, mm-hmm. but look how big they are. Yeah. A little over a lot makes a big difference. It does. So let me see if I'm understanding you correctly, John, because I think your main message here is do something. Yeah. You know what? If you want to help me in Georgia, I'll put you to work. If you want to help me, you got plenty I, I, to do that. I got plenty of places that you can do this. If if you are looking at the kids across the street whose parents, for whatever reason, just aren't putting in the time, and you can make a difference, then doggone it, make a difference. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Have those kids growing up saying, "I want to be like Mrs. So and So, who lived across the street from me, who took care who of really me." Really made a difference for me. And turn them into good parents. They're not getting a good example at home. Get them into your house and show them what a good example is and save the next generation. Mm-hmm. Save four kids in the next generation and, and by saving one in this generation. Yeah. And, and start running the math on that one. Average four or five kids a generation and take it out several generations to see how many people you've changed the world for. It's It's... Amazing to me, John, to look at the impact that small efforts can have. And when I say small efforts, small does not mean insignificant. It never does. What they if, combine together. What if it's in the form of a brief, small note to someone who, in which you express your appreciation for something for them? That could be huge. It could. It could literally be life-saving. 
And if it's life-saving, how many people did it actually change the world for by the time it's all because said Because of what that person can do. Does it ever end? Right. I can tell you're on fire about this. Oh, I am. And there's no excuse in the mind of John Simmons, as far as I can tell, for doing nothing. Because no. there's a universal understanding that it's the right thing to do. And then beyond that, if you don't know what to do yourself... Donate something to someone who does know what to do. Right. Be careful. There's plenty of scam charities out there, and everybody's heard about them. We watch them on 60 Minutes or or wherever we're watching them. Yeah, for sure. But, boy, there's research tools now. There's watchdogs. Get onto a a watchdog uh, uh, site, internet site, and Mm -hmm. check out the charities before you're putting money into it. Make sure that... Yeah, make sure they're reputable. Right. But it's there now. Absolutely. And if you don't trust them, do something yourself. Right. Whatever that is. And it doesn't have to be huge because small does not mean insignificant. Right. And, and that person that you assist, uh, it could be a life-altering event for them, and then the ripple effect goes out from them to anyone else that they have touch with well and you know it's not just the ripples everybody everywhere they touch i mean now you get depth you start talking generational Mm. i look at the people who made a difference in my wife's life she left uh an abusive home for foster care at 15 right and i look at the people who just knew that her family life wasn't what it was supposed to be Mm -hmm. but they were her friends and she was welcome in their home. And she right. learned what good mothers were supposed to be and what good fathers were supposed to be. And it gave her a pattern so that she knew how to build the dream family that she always wanted. Yeah. Okay, John. So you're lighting a fire under the listeners of Live On Purpose. And now they're all fired up and wondering where to go and what to do. I, to connect with you, the best way, probably through your website. Yeah. Uh, okay. JohnMSimmons.com. Uh, John with an H. Yeah, J-O-H-N-M-Simmons. Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S, dot com. Dot com. Okay, got it. You can find anything about me you want to there. I'll even put some dirt up for you. Ah, hey, that'll be fun. <laughs> we'll, put up, we'll put up links to your website on our site as well, That'll be John. wonderful. Thank you. Um, that's a way they can find out about your books, about the charities. Yeah, the blogs. I mean, they can find a piece everything, of everything you can there. Click into Facebook, become one of the 114,000 people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Thank you so much for joining us at Live on Purpose Radio today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. What would be your final word to our listeners today? Do something. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Thanks. Go live on purpose, everybody. And as John M. Simmons says, do something. Signing off. <laughs>